Hey there, Sovereigns. Monica Grace from CardReadingQueen.com here. Today's content is three ways to understand your twin soul union at an energetic level. And in this piece of content, I'm going to do an Atlantean healing update. So I talked about the energy healing that I did. Uh, it was basically mid-June, and I recorded some content about that. Um, and I think it's I can't remember the title. I think it's something about how to know if you should do energetic healing on your twin soul journey, something like that. So I talked about um, this healing that I did. Uh, it's called the Atlantean, it's called Atlantean healing and it's through Kelly at Purple Priestess. So you can Google this or look this up for yourself if you are interested so I did that healing mid-June. This is like a week or so later that I'm recording this. However, you will probably be seeing this in like three weeks from now. So it's probably going to be sometime in July by the time you are seeing or listening to this episode. However, I wanted to give you some things that I'm learning uh, based on that healing. So I've had a lot of weird experiences and insights since this energy healing and I'd have to say you know I don't know I don't know if the I don't know if energy healing is real uh if, if that's what you want to call it or I you know I, I still have some skepticism around energy healing and how it can help you but I will say that something has been shifting for me and a lot of unusual stuff has been happening as a result. So I wanted to tell you that, and I, what I really wanted to tell you was the three different ways that I've been tapping into the energy of my twin soul union, which, you know, again, your twin soul union, it exists inside you. Um, and it, it's been really interesting for me though, because I've been tapping into it at a different level to understand where I'm at on the twin soul journey. And typically what I have to do is look on the outside and see like what results I'm getting in the physical to better understand my journey. So the first way that I've been tapping into that energy has been just through, um, through asking my higher power and I'll just, um, your higher power can be your creator, God, the universe, source, spirit, really anything that you want. So I would call my higher power God. So I've been, uh, basically just conversing with God a lot more and, um, I've been tapping into the energy of my twin soul union at truly like the purest level, um, that I can. And I guess you would call that the, the higher level. So, so, um, like the 5d or whatever you want to call it, like the soul level. Uh, but basically something that's not on, it's not, it's not, um, it's not earthly. It's not the earthly energy of it. It's, the energy of how how the union looks in its purest form. And so I've been I've been tapping into this and getting getting like visuals of what that is, of what of the design 
um, of the energy of my union at the purest levels. And so the energy of my union, which surprised me a little bit, though it didn't once I started to understand it, but, um, I, the way I was seeing my union, it was very nostalgic and it was really two children playing together in a field and growing up together, um, experiencing life together as I would say as best friends. So it was these two, you know, these two beings, the masculine, a masculine and the fem and a feminine. And they were really just like childhood friends. Um, and growing up together, getting to know each other that way. Uh, I don't, I don't know that they were neighbors necessarily, but they, they definitely had grown up in like the same area. And, um, as I was tapping into this, I was like, okay, that's cute. So maybe, maybe, um, the twin soul union or my twin soul union is just like this friendly thing. And then God was like, no. Um, and he was, he was showing me like once they were older, like an appropriate age. So I don't know, like maybe teenagers, um, but like older teens. So like the number, the age that's coming to mind is like age 17. Uh, so something, you know, something older, um, they were like basically falling in love. Um, and it was really, it was just really sweet. Like it was just a really easy and sweet transition into their love for each other. And I was, I would say I was pretty confused about this whole vision. And like when I tap into it, it's the same thing. Like, it's not like this has changed at all. Um, and it's, it's very hard for me as an adult because it's like, I don't see that anywhere. Like I don't, and like, I was like, I'm not even like really that attracted to this stuff and then to like that type of story. And then I realized like when I think about all my favorite movies, it's always, you know, people falling in love as young adults. So I think about like some of the movies that kind of capture the same energy as this vision does. Um, <laughs> there's a, so the notebook. It's kind of the most obvious one for me anyway. And for those of you who don't know, uh, The Notebook is basically like these two teenagers fall in love and then they get separated for a long time. And I, and I read the book as well. So I don't know in the movie versus the book, but it was the number that's coming to mind is like 14 years. Um, but I know it was different in the book and movie. And then they they finally like get back together and it's just the same as it ever was. Like they're, they're just like still as deeply in love and they can't, they can't really explain why they're in love. Um, it's just, they have these feelings cause they don't, they don't really, they don't really have a lot in common to be honest, but they just, they know that they're in love by their feelings. And so it's kind of like this puppy love that turns into like a foundation for, an adult relationship. Uh, another movie that I am obsessed with and like love this movie so much, like from the be from the minute this movie 
uh, came out, I knew I was in love with it. It's called Love, Rosie. And it's also based on a book, which I haven't read. Um, but this movie is pretty much the same thing. Like, these two kids grow up together. They're, like, neighbors or something. I don't remember. Um, but they grow up together. And then just through a series of, like, ridiculous events, they... Um, don't, they don't get together when they're at a certain age, like when they're, you know, 18 or whatever, they don't get together and they go their separate paths and just like over and over and over again, they just keep missing each other, even though they are each other's like first loves, true loves. Um, and they're, they're like in love with each other and they just keep missing and messing it up. Uh, so that's another movie. And um, and then there's a third movie called Flipped, and it's, it's again, like, these, these little kids who are neighbors, and one's in love with the other, and just, like, harasses him, uh, and he just wants nothing to do with her, and then as he gets older, he realizes he's in love with her, and she is just, she's just to the point of, like, this deep anger toward him, so she is not interested <laughs> and but like they they kind of and then they do eventually get together when they're like teenagers but they you know they kind of um have again this like back and forth situation so the other so my friend susan i i talk about her all the time she she writes fiction as well which i do too i write fiction um and my fiction is it's young adult fantasy is the genre that I write in the most. And it's, again, lots of stories about people falling in love when they're teenagers um, and being, you know, basically destined to be together. And she also writes books like this where it's like neighbors who fall in love or, you know, people in class who fall in love, like that sort of thing. So that's definitely the energy of the union. And what I realized about this was that I was tapping into this energy. The energy surprised me because it was really this energy of um, nostalgia, but also innocence, um, which I don't think of as being part of my twin soul union, I guess. But, um, and there's also no one in real life who really matches this for me. So that for me is also pretty confusing. But I realized like that the, the goal, I guess, of this exercise is to notice what your perfect love story is. And I think that's, that's what this was. So it was like, um, I was tapping into the energy of it, but it was, it was just showing me what I, I basically already knew, which is that my perfect love story would be like, growing up with somebody and they would be my first love and then we would be together forever like that that would be my perfect love story um and I did a I did a video or like there was a video and a podcast episode about how this didn't happen and it didn't work out for me um and I was it was called uh it's called something like what to do when your love story doesn't feel good. So you can go check that out. Um, so for me, it was kind of like, well, this isn't how things played out, but it was interesting to just tap into that energy because that that's what the, 
that's what the the union would feel like in its purest form is like you've known that person forever and like you it's it's like the love was always there basically is what it would feel like so the second thing so that was was a huge huge and interesting insight for me the second thing that I've been doing is just asking my higher power who again for me is God um, what I was missing about my soul design so basically asking asking my higher power to reveal to me what I don't like what I don't know about myself and so you know and you can do this with anything it could be with um, tarot or oracle cards which is um, a lot of how I've done it but it could also just be through meditation or like you know, basically just asking the question and seeing what signs come up or, or allowing like claircognizance to happen, whatever you want to do. So what God recently revealed to me about myself was that I needed, he said, basically, I need to make peace with being the breadwinner in the relationship. And this is been a pretty big upset for me. (laughs) Um, I really struggle with the idea that I would be the breadwinner. And I think a big part of it is that in my relationship with my ex-husband, I was the breadwinner for years. And being the breadwinner is very stressful. Um, if If you are the breadwinner, you understand this in your relationship. Or, you know, if you just, if you have to make a lot of money to take care of people or to take care of your a full family, like maybe you're a single parent um, or even just a parent in general. But, you know, this typically as a single parent, this falls on, this falls on the parent a lot. Um, but just this idea of having to make like either all or most of the money for the family so this has been, so, so with my ex-husband, I was the breadwinner. It was really stressful. And it also like forced me to do a lot of things that didn't make sense for my soul design or didn't make sense for my personality, if you want to call it that way. Um, and the other thing was that I, my, even though I made all the money and made a lot of money in my relationship, my ex-husband controlled all the money. So it was like, I was making like six figures a year and I was not allowed, I guess, to like go, go out to dinner with my coworkers. Um, or I was not allowed to buy a pair of jeans. Uh, and, and there were, it was just like any money I spent was like a huge issue for my ex-husband. And we, you know, he, it was, it was a real problem for him. And he like tracked it religiously. He would like call me and ask me like, why did, like, what did you spend this on? Why did you spend it? Like it, and it was just like this constant level of chatter around every purchase I made. So I basically stopped 
buying anything. Like I, I like almost never bought anything unless it was like gas or like, like things that like I had to buy to live. Um, and so it was like, it was like this very controlling thing for me. And it, it did feel like I was, so I guess there were a couple upsets around it for me. One was that I always had to do a job that I didn't really love in order to make that level of money that we needed, which was stressful. Um, and then the other piece of it was like, I had no control over the money I was making. And that was just very like exhausting for me to like be making so much money and still feel so poor all the time. Like still, and like be so embarrassed by it. Like my coworkers would be like, you know, you can't pay for this or like, or I'd be like, I'd be like, I can't go. Cause like my husband will be mad at me. Um, and it, it was just like, it, it made me feel like a child still. Like I felt, I just felt so constricted. So I was saying that I, I'm actually designed to be the breadwinner and I'm not the breadwinner in my current relationship. Um, you know, my husband probably makes the majority of the money I would say, uh, which is fine. And it, it felt good for a while to be taken care of. And I think I've talked about this on this channel or my podcast channel before how basically, you know, after my relationship with my ex-husband, I was like, I never want to be with somebody who's with me because I can make money again. So I made myself like pretty much like almost destitute, like as poor as I possibly can in order to test my husband, my current husband. And he was finally like, look, like, like I love you, but you have to make money. Like you, you don't get to just like not have any money ever. Um, and it, it was like, um, it was like I was making myself as worthless as possible in order to test to see if he would still love me. And I wasn't doing any of this consciously. Like I'm not, I'm not a, like a jerk. I wasn't trying to manipulate him. It was more just like this subconscious thing of like, I do not want to be the breadwinner in this relationship. And I do not want to be loved because I have money or because I can make money. So, um, Basically, God was saying that by design, my soul design is to be the breadwinner of my twin soul relationship. And um, my businesses that I have created and that I am creating are meant to sustain the relationship and provide like all the financial resources for the relationship. Um, even saying this makes me really stressed out. Uh but, but the good thing, the good thing about it is that I don't have to compromise. So like that was another thing I felt like in order to be the breadwinner, I couldn't do my life purpose. And so I was like, no, your life purpose is going to make you the breadwinner. Um, and then another part of it is that he God was even saying like, you have been saying that you want your twin soul to be a partner in your business but that's actually not going to happen. Like that's not what is in your design. 
And the only reason you want that is out of codependency. It's not because it's part of your union at all. And so that was like another huge upset for me. And, and still is like, I'm still working through all this. And I like, I just want to say I'm on the journey just as anybody else listening to this. So I don't have all the answers. I just try to share, um, insights and what I, what I have learned on the journey. But basically he was saying like, he was just saying that the reason I want the partnership is because I feel not, not good enough or not capable of turning my businesses into the breadwinner businesses that they are meant to be. Um, so he was saying like, you're never going to have your twin soul really in your business. Not that, not that they're not going to support it, but they're never going to be like 50, 50 partnering in your business. And the reason is because the reason you want that is codependent. So you have to like, as you know, your twin soul doesn't like if you, if there's something you're not able to give yourself or if you're coming from a place of wounding with, you know, toward your twin soul, they are going to not give you that thing because they want to show you like you're wounding. And so this is what God was showing me. Just like this isn't going to happen because it can't because it's not your soul design. So then I was asking, what is my partner going to do? Um, and basically God was saying that my partner is not really meant to have a job, um, or is not, you know, and, and that, um, what he's going to do is create comfort within the union. <sighs> so, um, what exactly does that mean? Creating comfort. So I was like, is this, is this like, he's going to dote on me? Like I, and I didn't, I didn't really get it. And God was like, no. It's not like, it's not like breakfast in bed and back rubs. It's not that kind of comfort though. And, and I've never had a relationship where I had something like that, where some guy like dotes on me. That's just not, and it's not even that I wouldn't like it. Like, sure, of course I would like it every once in a while, but I would also, it would also make me feel like uncomfortable. Um, so it's not that it was more that. It was more that he's going to build, build our dream life. Like he's still going to be working, but it's not going to be a typical, it's not going to be like a job that you go to work at. It's like, he's going to be building our dream life. Um, and I don't even know, I don't even know what it is. Like I was like a hat, like building a house, building furniture. And I was kind of, um, thinking about it because you know, my husband is a, he's a woodworker. He has a wood shop and he builds, he's been building a lot of furniture for us. And even, even just like yesterday, he was talking about building like, um, some furniture for our dining room. And he, he wants to build like this big table. And we were talking about like how much it would cost and like are his skills at the, at the right level for him to be able to do it. Um, and, you know, we were just like, yeah, this is, this is going to happen eventually. Like he's eventually he's going to build us a table and he has all the, you know, he has all the stuff for it, the tools. And so it was kind of that it was basically just this energy of like, he's gonna, he's going to be doing work to like secure the rest of 
the rest of your life um, and take take you guys toward your dreams. So <sighs> I'm still working through this a lot. Like I, cause like for me, when I, when God was telling me this, I, it doesn't really sound like me necessarily. But then as I've been, as I've been thinking about it, it does make sense. And I am good at making money and I am holding myself back in my business. And I do want a partner out of codependency and not out of wanting to share necessarily or wanting and not even out of needing a partner because I've been doing my business on my own for so long. It's like, um, but it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot to, it's a lot to deal with. It's a lot to think about and a lot to like worry about. And it's bringing up a lot of stuff for me. So then, um, the third one is that, um, I'm, so the third way that I'm tapping into my, and the energy of my union is really just, and the, and the best way I can explain this, it's really just to pay attention to energetic cycles of healing that are coming up. So, and it's hard to kind of explain what this is to people and how you know that something is coming into your life to be brought to the conscious and healed. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So this energetic cycle, I've, had this Facebook troll basically. And you guys know, um, that I, uh, so I have a, I have a business profile, but I post a lot of personal stuff on there still. And it could be political views. Um, I've been posting about black lives matter and I don't hold back my opinion. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that like there are people who would maybe want to work with me who don't share my views. Like that doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't care. I'm not trying to like win friends on this profile. Um, I'm not trying to like keep everything really neat and tidy and like not offend anybody. I mean, I, and that, and obviously I don't want to offend people. I'm not posting to offend people either, but I'm going to state my opinion on my profile. And it just, it just, it's not an issue for me. Like it's not, and I think a lot of people will sanitize their profiles to promote their business more or to like protect their business. And for me, like my business isn't, it's not worth like not speaking up about something that I, I think is important. Um, so I, I kind of bring my whole self to that profile, even if, it's not the best thing for my business. Um, so I've had a, I've just had a friend who's like another author and he has been posting on my profile a lot. So like every time I post something, he like trolls it somehow. Um, and it's been really like upsetting my other friends who are like, he's a troll. Why don't you block him? Um, and it hasn't really been upsetting me, uh, cause, and, and he'll even like insult me basically. Like he'll, he'll do like a personal attack on me. Um, and it's, it's not just like him sharing his opinion or like disagreeing. He's just like really rude and like hostile and like personally attacking me a lot. And it just wasn't, it just isn't, it doesn't bother me. Um, 
and I don't I don't know why it just didn't affect me so like I didn't block him um the thing that was affecting me when that because like he was triggering all of my friends who were just like I can't believe you let him post that on your profile um and people kept messaging me about it so um what was triggering me was people messaging me and and like I was I was just like embarrassed to have like all my friends messaging me and like asking why are you letting this person like post on your profile you know and and it was it felt like I was being judged and shamed about staying friends with this person and I I was just feeling like really embarrassed about the situation and so because of that I was like man I really wish he would stop posting on my like I wish he would stop commenting and if he doesn't stop commenting he's gonna force me to like unfriend him or block him or like he's gonna force me to take action eventually um so this has been going on though for like months um and you know and I like this guy like I this guy is, he's like a friend and we agree on a lot of stuff and we disagree on a lot of stuff too. And it, he, he just doesn't bother me. Like, and the way he, he's like a very, kind of has like a salty approach to sharing his opinion and it just doesn't bother me. So I didn't block him. I knew I could feel like there was something he was trying to teach me and it was big and important. And I was not, I was going to see it through to the end basically. So I did not block him. I did not unfriend him. Um, and it ended up, it ended up happening. So, and that was this week. And basically he posted about something stupid and I posted like, uh, and I'll just give you the specifics because too I don't want it to be convoluted. So he was posting about this Aunt Jemima brand changing changing their brand away from Aunt Jemima, and he was saying that he thought it was ridiculous. And I was saying I like this story. Tra- you can trace this the um, story of Aunt Jemima back to slavery. And because the Black Lives Matter movement is happening, I can understand why the brand would want to distance themselves from this branding. Um, And I can't say I said it as nicely as I'm saying it right now on this video. Like, I was certainly a lot saltier toward him about it. Um, And so we were kind of arguing because he was like, prove that it's traced back to slavery. So I was like posting some links, like... Um, and just like showing, and, and I was like, this is, I was like, this is a verifiably right thing. Like, I know I'm right about this because you can, like, you can just like Google this and know that it's true. And like the company is saying that it's true. And so we were, it was just like this, um, this like argument on Facebook that we were having, which I know you're not supposed to get into those, but. I, I just, I was going to see it through. Let's, you know, and, and it, and it's, it's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, and, and we're, we're still friends. Like we just, we just had this argument in the comment section of Facebook where, um, lots of productive arguments happen, by the way. <laughs> I'm kidding. So anyway, so we go back and forth and I was like, and I was wondering, cause he was really getting under my skin and I was like, um, I was trying to figure out, like, you know, he doesn't bother me at all normally. Like, why is he bothering me in this case? 
And there were a couple things that I noticed. One is that I don't care if you and I have different opinions, but if you are arguing for something that is easily verified, so like if I think that it's something that's more like a fact than an opinion, um, I am not having it. Like if, it, if it's something like where there is a right answer and you refuse to acknowledge that right answer, then I'm probably arguing with you about it. And so I realized it wasn't like I have plenty of compassion for people with different opinions, but when something is wrong, then and like when when I know I'm right and I can I can like rationalize that it's actually right, that's when I get upset and get really triggered. Um, the second thing I noticed was that I respect rational arguments over emotional arguments. And he was getting pretty emotional. He was saying, like, I have this, you know, I had a caregiver who was this older black woman. And, like, he's he's going on about, like, how it's just this sweet narrative. And I'm like, it's a narrative traced back to slavery. Like, here are all the links for it. And then I was right. It's that I felt like there was no room for a different interpretation. Um, and so he was making this very emotional argument. And I was just like losing respect for him as he typed. Like, like I was like, this is like, I don't care about your emotions. This is verifiable and you can trace it back to this. And so I was not having his emotional arguments. And then there were a couple other commenters who were giving emotional arguments. And I was like, Ugh, this is like, like, this is just so frustrating to me because it's a bunch of people who are being super irrational. Like it, and it was just really irritating me. Um, so then I kind of, you know, he had been insulting me for so long on my profile. And so he was trying to insult me again. And I was just like fed up with it. I was like, I'm going to defend myself. Um, so I, I hit back and tossed my own insult and it was, you know, it was childish. Like I shouldn't have done it, but, um, it was a little harsh and kind of hit I don't know if it hit below the belt, but it was basically like questioning his intelligence, which, um, he is a pretty smart guy. So, but I was, I was being a little, uh, just being a little unkind to him. And I thought it was going to feel good. Like I thought, I thought, you know, man, this guy has been coming after me and like, I'm going to defend myself. Um, I thought it would feel good and it felt really, really bad. <laughs> felt really, really horrible. And so I was trying to kind of unpack that. And so what it reminded me of when I was in, I think I was in seventh grade, I had this girl who like was bullying me and she was bullying me and bullying me and bullying me. And then, and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, and, and I had this magazine called Young and Modern. And in the back of the magazine, they give you like little... They gave, they give you like little insults basically. Um, like, and it was a section called like how to handle bullying. And so, you know, I was an impressionable teen and I read it and, um, one of them, you know, I, one of them was like, uh, one of them was like, oh, I love your shirt. Where'd you get it? Like a Salvation Army or like, you know, like something like that. It was like, it was like, where'd you get it? 
and then it was like somewhere you know somewhere that was like insulting <laughs> like like I don't know like a bargain like a bargain basement or just something like that and so I used that so this girl was bullying me and I was like I just used the script from this magazine to kind of zing her back in front of all of her friends and I did it and like the minute I said it like her face just crumpled and she was like and then all her friends were like, oh, that was so mean of you. You know, it was like this really surprising reaction um, for me as a 12-year-old. And it felt really bad. Even though she had been so mean to me that whole time, it felt really bad to hit her back and to like really, really stick it to her. It felt horrible. And after that, she never bullied me again. So I realized that, and, and this situation was the same. It, it was like the same exact energy of like, this guy has been bullying me for months on Facebook, basically. And I hit him back even just a little. I wasn't even, I wasn't even hitting him back that hard. Um, and he was, it was like he crumpled um, under the insult. And which again, like... And it was the same with this bully. It was like, I lost a bit of, like, I do have compassion, I guess. But it's also like, I lost a bit of respect because I'm like, you, you, you dish it out, but you can't take it. And so this, this whole thing, like, I, I this whole story makes me look like a horrible person. I realize that. Um, but basically what it was showing me, um, cause I was thinking about this afterwards, like, why did it feel so bad? Uh, you know, why, why was the reaction so bad? And it was basically like, God was showing me that I'm never going to get my twin soul union by being right about things because I felt really justified in both these scenarios or in all these scenarios to hit back. Cause I was like, he's been bullying me for months, like give him a little bit of his own medicine. Um, or like he's been you know, he's throwing up out like these really emotional arguments and he's being really irrational. Like I know I'm right. Um, and it, it was just this realization that like <laughs> needing to be right <laughs> has been messing up my twin soul union for a long time. Um, and I tapped into that specifically, like just this energy of like needing to be right and what I saw there was, um, I saw a lot of tension and conflict. And what I realized about this was that, uh, meaning to be right was me not desiring peace in my twin soul union and not wanting to have compassion for somebody in my twin soul union, um, or for my, you know, for my masculine and my twin soul union. And so it was just this realization. It was, it showed me like this huge peace of my union where I was not desiring peace. I was desiring conflict. I was desiring war. Um, I was desiring argument, tension. And that the reason I was not, the reason I was desiring the arguments is because it allowed me to be right. So I was prioritizing being right over being at peace with my masculine. Um, and I started to look back on previous relationships and noticed this. And so I'm just going to give you like a very, 
like a very obvious and like very basic example. So my first, with my first, um, or with my, he wasn't my first boyfriend, but he was, uh, he's like kind of a more major relationship that I had. Um, so this ex-boyfriend, you know, it was long distance, it was like a long distance relationship and, um, we broke up a lot and like during one of the breakups, I kissed another guy and this ex-boyfriend got really upset um, and he was even upset about like, like after we broke up for the last time, I you know, I kissed somebody and he was even upset about that. And I was like, you, I was like, we are like, not only are we broken up, but you are also dating other people. I, and I was just like, do you realize like how hypocritical that is that you are out doing the same exact thing as me and you are mad at me for what I'm doing. And it was I felt really justified in being right, basically. Like, I was like, I know I'm right. Like, that's, that's, you know, that's hypocritical. And there was, like, an emotional argument to be made for just, like, this hurts my feelings. But I was always like, you're not justified in having hurt feelings over this. Like you are doing the same exact thing. We're not together. I have no obligations to you. And, you know, and again, even as you hear this, you can tell that like, I want to be right as opposed to wanting peace with this. Well, I mean, this person is not specifically important, but like, like it was, it's like, um, I was choosing, I was choosing being right over being at peace with somebody. And, um, I, I do that a lot in my relationships. Like if, if I, if I know that I'm right, I'm gonna like be really clear to that person that I'm right. Um, and God was just showing me like this, this like makes your relationships fall apart, like over and over again. Like even with friends, um, like definitely with exes, but even with friends, this causes a lot of conflict in your relationships. So <laughs> basically, um, he was just showing me that this is blocking my union. So this has been a pretty long update. I'm looking at the time. Uh, but what really what I wanted to do here is just give you, you know, just give you this update on this healing that I did. Um, and how it's coming along and also just share, you know, just share the different ways that you can tap into your energy. And when I think about, um, when I think about tapping into my energy, the energy of my union from all these different angles, it really shows me like all the work that I need to do still. And it shows me what's out of alignment and what's in alignment. Um, so I think, I think that can be really helpful for me. The other thing that's really helpful to me about it is that I'm not focused on a specific person. And I think that can really uncover a lot more for you. Even if your twin soul is the person you think it is, or you think he or she is, it can really help you to just, um, tap into that as like a personal and, and have like a more 
um, have a more personal experience with your union um, and, and really come from a place of like, this union is all about me um, and what does it look like? And that kind of leads me to my last major insight, which is not related to tapping into the energy, but what God was telling me, and this was kind of like, um, he, he was just showing me a block, but what he was telling me, he was saying that I was trying to do my union on my own. And he was like, you don't get to ascend on your own without your twin soul. Like you have to be in a partnership with them. And so he was just saying that, like, I had this energy of like doing it on my own that I had to release. And so that was kind of the other major thing. So kind of unusual because it's weird for me because it's like in some areas I'm supposed to be on my own. Like with my businesses, he's like, you're, you're building these businesses on your own. And like, this is, you're going to be the breadwinner through this. And then he was also saying that you have to, like, you don't get to ascend on your own. Like this is like, you're in it with this twin soul. Like whoever your twin soul is, you are in it with them. No matter what, you are not moving forward without them. You guys are a team and a partnership. And um, I'm trying to integrate those two things right now is, is just, it's interesting for me. Um, even integrating this thing about being right, uh, it's, a, it's a big one. And I don't, I don't know how to integrate it, I'm just going to be honest, because I do really like being right. And um, I do really struggle to choose emotional arguments um, or to like respect emotional arguments because I was really feeling like disgust too with these emotional arguments. Um, just like, ugh, like this person is just not even being rational about this, you know? Um, and I think, I think the big, I think the big thing with that one is to realize that like, it's like, where am I denying my own emotions? I think is what it's trying to show me of like, you know, where am I hurt by something, even though I have no right to be hurt by it? And is it okay? Like, can I allow myself my own pain? Um, so, so I think that's how to interpret that. Anyway, kind of all over the place. Um, I hope this was helpful to you, though, um, and gave you some ideas and exercises for how you can tap into that energy of your twin soul. And I am going to put these exercises and I'm going to clean them up and like, it'll be much clearer. So if you're like, what exercises? Like what? Like she didn't explain how to do any of this. Um, I'm, it's going to be a lot clearer in my book. And so the book is going to be about, um, I think I'm going to call it twin soul versus karmic twin versus soulmate. I think it's what it's going to be called or something along those lines, but it's basically going to be like, how do you, how do you, um, determine who your twin soul is? And it's going to have lots of different exercises so that you can fully verify your twin soul. And also so that if you meet your twin soul, you can recognize them and you can tell the difference between your twin soul and like a false twin flame. Uh, so that book is going to hopefully be on pre-order by the time this content comes out. And I will be sharing, you know, more about this in that book. 
that's all for me. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And I hope you have a beautiful and blessed day.